Check one, two. Worship team can make their way to the stage, please.
Well, good morning, Sunday morning. Welcome to New Hope Community Church. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Can we give him a shout? I know it's early. I know it's early. But if Jesus can rise from the dead, he can get you up out of the bed. Amen. I am so excited today. I believe that God is going to do some amazing things in your life. And if you don't know, if you've never been here before, if it's your first time, we have a simple tagline, lives are changed right here. Amen. This is a place where lives are changed. This is a place where miracles happen. And who knows that today might be the day of your miracle. Amen. Because we serve a mighty God. We serve a miracle working God. We serve a powerful God. And he'll meet you today right where you're at. So we like to begin our services with praise and worship. And we always say that, you know, praise him any way you want to. And, and it's just a shame that we can get so excited for a football game. We're going to get excited for a UFC fight when somebody gets knocked out. A boxing match, right? We're, we're sitting at a, a kid's soccer game. The kids are seven years old and little Johnny scores a goal and we're like, ah. But then we get in the middle of our praise and worship and we're like, I don't know about you, but I'm more excited of the fact that when I was messed up from the chest up, when I was tore up from the floor up, when I was down, disgusted, couldn't be trusted, when nobody believed in me, when I was strung out on drugs, guess what? I had a savior that died for me. Not when I was at my best, but was at my worst, that saw something in me and said, you know what, he's not going out like a statistic. He's not going out like what, I, I died for him. I'm going to redeem him. I'm going to put my spirit inside of him. I got a plan and I got a purpose for him, and I'm going to raise him up. And the Lord can do that for you as well. So you're going to have to forgive me if I jump a little bit and I shout a little bit and I cry a little bit, or if somebody wants to wave a flag or somebody wants to run. That's how we praise him, because he is worthy of all of our praise. Could I get an amen? amen? Let's pray, Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus, the only name under heaven whereby men can be saved. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ that have gathered here, old friends and new friends. Lord, we thank you that you are growing your family. Lord, we thank you that on this rock you will build your church and the gates of hell will never overcome what you're building here, Lord. We thank you for revival. We thank you for breakthrough. We thank you for healing. We thank you for salvation, Lord. We thank you that you will come here and meet with your people today. And we praise you in Jesus' name. All right, let's praise them. Let's praise them. This opens, this front's open if you want to come up and praise them. But God is good. Amen.
hope changes, hope changes. We want to be made new. We want to be made old. Even when we don't understand, you are with us, Lord. strong tower, still a strong tower, your love, still a strong tower, still a strong tower,
Because he loves you so much. Imagine this. Somebody has a gun at your face and they get ready to shoot you. But God's love saves you. Come on. You know, if you don't know my testimony, if you don't know my testimony, God has done so many things in my life and he has changed me. Three years ago now, three years ago now, I, I've been, I, I was saved by the love of God. He, he, he stood in the way of that bullet. He stood in the way of that bullet. His love saved me. He put people around me in that, in that day, in that situation that loved God. And if I could picture that situation again, it was a God moment. Because he surrounded me with love. He surrounded me with him. He surrounded me with his glory. He brought people who knew him. He didn't bring the people who didn't know him. He brought the people who knew him. Every person that was with me in that alleyway knew God. And they were praying for me when, they, when I was laying down. They were praying for me. But God had the final say-so. God had the final say-so in that situation. He picked me up and he told me that I would never live the same again. That I would never be living my life the way I lived three years ago. That God is going to do things in my life that I never expected. As long as I follow his love. So I'm giving you guys the same message. Follow the love of God. Follow his calling. If you want to be taking the glory to glory, search for the love of God, not the love of man. The love of God will change you and awaken you to your new beginnings and your new comings. God will open up those doors for you. Follow his love, not the world's love. And when I wrote that song, your love sets me on fire. His love sets me on fire because his love is what got me here today. So all, every time I praise him, I'm going to give him my all. I'm going to give him everything because his love is what set me on fire and took me to glory to glory. And I'm going to continue to prosper and live in the life of God because he's a way maker, he's a miracle worker, and he's ready to change your life. You just got to believe it, you just got to give up yourself, and you just got to say, I want it. So as we sing this song, Deep Places, check your heart. Check your heart. Check the deep places of your mind, your body, and soul. Check it. Check it. What do you got to let go? What are you holding on to that you got to let go? Think about it. Check, check those deep places right now as we get ready to go into this song. What do you got to let go? What does God want to turn around in your lives? What are you holding on to? Let it go. And let God. Let God be the one who, who enters those deep places to change your situation. Not man, not woman, but the love of God. My 
opened up my mind. I've opened up my heart. I've opened up my plans. So let it be pleasing to you. I've opened up my mind. I've opened up my heart. I've opened up my plans. So let it be pleasing to you. Let it be pleasing to you. Let it be pleasing. So our hearts cry. Let it be pleasing to you. Let it be. Let it be pleasing to you. Fire red, coming to it again. Open up the gates, let heaven.
so much. Thank you so, so, so much, Lord, for just allowing us to be here today, Father, and waking us up today, Lord. We thank you so much for your word and your power and your wisdom, Father. So, Father, I ask that you clear our minds and clear our hearts as we get ready to enter this service, Lord. We get ready to hear this message, Father. Father, clear our minds so that we can seek you and seek you for, Lord. Father, allow us not to come with our cup full. Allow us to come empty so that we can gain all of you today, Lord. Father, give these teachers the strength to preach and teach your word this morning, Father. Father, we need these kids. These kids are, these kids are up next, Lord. So give these teachers the capability to pour into these kids and pour their spirit out to them and show them your love and your grace and your mercy. And in your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Can we give a shout of praise to our Father? Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I guess we all needed a little extra filling today, amen. You know, and you come to, you guys can be seated. You come to church and you, you know, it's like you, you kind of feel the presence start to move. And then you kind of enter into those holy moments where you just sense God is just beginning to do something. And he's doing stuff in people's hearts and lives and know those are the times like we don't want to rush through this you know and I, I can't always promise you that you know you guys are going to be out here out of here in an hour and 15 minutes and, because we want to honor the Lord and we want to give him our best you know I, I wonder I wonder sometimes how the Lord feels when you know people are like well you know what hour and 15 a week that's all I'm giving him you run past that God then I'm I'm out the door I got to make my buffalo chicken dip for the Packers game that's the way people think the one who loved us just like we were the one who died on a cross in our place for our sins pouring out his blood giving us grace mercy the power of the Holy Spirit we want to give him our first and our best. We're going to do that today in our offering. If we could have our ushers come forward, we see this as part of our worship. I was just reading before I came to the podium, and I won't go over it all. You can go back and read it for yourself if you want. But 1 Corinthians 12, it, you guys can make your way forward, ushers. Um, you, you read about it. And it talks about that the church is the body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. And so within that body, you have diverse gifts. Not everybody has all the gifts, right? Not everybody has everything that Jesus had, but 
individually, we have different gifts, we have different talents, we have different things that we bring to the table. And when we come together in unity, in one mind, under one vision, in the same spirit, you know, God can do amazing things. It's like the body functions. But many times what happens is, you know, certain people, they, they, they don't use their gifts in the kingdom. They're not, you know, or they're just coming to receive. They're not coming to give. So a lot of times, you know, the, the body's not functioning in, in its right way. And it talks about that if one part hurts, then we all hurt. One part's honored, then we're all honored. That, that, that we affect one another. And one of the things as a church, as we come together, we come together with with our giving, and we look at that as a place of worship. We come together with our giving, and when we come together and we put our giving together, we can do so much to move the kingdom of God forward. We pull our resources together. You know, we could never do the things that... And I'm going to talk about a lot of it in my message, so I'm not going to get into it. But a lot of the ministry that we would do, you know, we couldn't do it on our own. I've seen people, they, they run out, they get impatient, they don't like the way things are going, so they run out and they try to start stuff on their own. And they realize that, you know, you can't. You don't have the people, you don't have the resources, you don't have the thing. But when we come together, then there's no limit. When we come together in unity, there's no limit to, you know what God could do through us. The problem is, is that when it comes to our giving, there's those that give above and beyond, generously, weekly, sacrificially, giving, again and again. And if I looked at it, I'd say there's about 25% of the people in the church that actually support all the work. Then there's other people, they come here, they have their lives changed, they like being here. But they're just like, nope, I'm not giving. I can't. And, and I just want to encourage you, and I'm not trying to say it to beat anybody up, but, you know, if, if as a body, if we would just say, you know what, I'm going to take something that God put in my hand, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it forward. And if you're one of those people, maybe you feel like financially you can't, you're in a bad place, just start somewhere. You know, Jesus commended the widow's might, you know, said that it wasn't, it wasn't much, but it was all that she had, and she, and she gave what she had, and the church is built on the widow's might. If we would come together every week, and everybody would say, Lord, I'm coming to worship with something in my hand, we would never have to wait on anything. We would never have to wait to move uh, on things that God wants us to do. We would, be, we would be rolling out full steam ahead. Amen? So if you'd like to give, you can give electronically, or you can give by check. We have a way that you can text to give. It's up on the TV screen. We also have Venmo at New Hope Ambridge, whatever way is easiest for you. Dear Lord, I just thank you for each and every person that gathered here. Lord, not just pray, Lord, for, for those who are struggling uh, in any kind of area, Lord. I, I pray that, that in faith, that as they sow, Lord, and maybe they're nervous, maybe they're scared, Lord, I pray that you would bless that seed, Lord, and I pray that uh, that you would multiply it back to them, Lord. And I thank you that you'll provide for every need we have through your riches and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can take the offering. Trey, can you announce the young adults thing? Yes, I'm gonna yes, mess it yes. Up. So I'm up here. So 
Yeah, we're gonna start our first Young Adults meeting Saturday at six o'clock. We're gonna meet at Traxent. We don't know where Traxent at. You take this road right out here, just go straight that way. It's on your right. So Young Adults is between the age of 18 and 37. Anybody between the age of 18 and 37, please, please come out and hang with me and my wife if you have not met her yet. She sits up in the front and she usually holds Jeremiah. We're gonna, we're gonna be getting together, we're gonna be hanging out, we're gonna be fellowshipping and we're just gonna be, what's up? Did I say something wrong? So that's it. So Saturday, tracks in, six o'clock. We're gonna be hanging out, just getting together, fellowshipping. Uh, don't, you don't gotta come thinking we're gonna knock the Bible into your head. We're not, we're just gonna hang out. We're gonna get to know each other first and then we'll get to know each other. Then we're gonna get to all the juicy and spicy stuff as we get moving in. Cool, so anybody between the age of 18 and 37, I know that's a weird age, but 38, I'll make it even. I really, to be honest, I don't care. Anybody that wants to come and hang out, I really don't care if you guys can come. At that I'm point. a young adult. Young adult stuff, but just 18, I, I don't know what's old age in my mind, you know? So 18 to 38, that's me, I don't know. What age is a old age to me, but that's it to me. So 18 to 38, please, young adults. I'll see you guys Saturday. I'm done talking. All right. Awesome. <laughs> if you got any questions, just grab them after service, catch up with them. Um, it'll be a good time, something new that we're trying to get started. Also, um, I, Nancy has some ideas. There's kind of an international prayer meeting happening in a lot of different churches to pray uh, about Israel, and she was going to gather some people here. Uh, to pray during that time. So if that's something that you're interested in, please see her over there. She's the lady with all the flags. If you need a flag, she'll hook you up with that too. But go over and see her for that. Um, you guys ready for the word today? All right. Hey, so this is, uh, we're in a series called Financial Breakthrough. This is the third message. So um, if, you've, uh, if you just came here today, uh, there's some messages. We'll backtrack on some of that. And a lot of times, um, it's like I'll pray about what God wants me to share. And, I, you know, by faith, I'll go ahead and I'll, and I'll share it. And there's other times where, like, it's like, okay, I think this is what God wants me to share. But I, I know that right now this is what God wants me to share because I was praying about where to go. We did the whole spiritual warfare series last month, and then um, I really felt God dropped in my spirit. He said, it's time for a financial breakthrough. And if you're a person who routinely struggles um, in this area of, of finances, I, I got really good news uh, for you today because God is on your side. You can come out of that. And you can begin to, to live a life where not only do you have enough to, uh, to, to pay your bills, but you can have a surplus. That's what abundance is. Jesus didn't say, I, you know what, I've came so that you can barely get by. I came so that you might struggle. No, that's not what he said. He said, I came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. So through abundance, through the abundance that he wants you to have, he can actually use you to be an answer to other people's prayers. There's a person praying that their lights won't get shut off. There's a person praying that they're going to be able to pay their rent. And what an amazing thing it is to be used by God, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to say, you know what? Here you go. God told me to give you this. I don't know why. 
And all of a sudden, they were praying for that exact thing. And you're the one that's able to provide that. And I, and I get that money can sort of be this sensitive thing. Some people have an automatic trigger when you start to talk about uh, money in the church. But it, it was a topic that Jesus commonly would uh, speak about. And I believe that since Jesus spoke about it as a church, we need to speak about it. Think about all your life. Think about everything in your life that's built around money. Where you're going to get a job at to make money. Where you work at. Planning to spend your money. You know, making phone calls. Paying bills, right? There's a whole lot of your life that, that, that involves money. And really, if you have any kind of financial education, you didn't get it in the school system. Because the system isn't made to teach you how to handle money. For the most part, the, the system is actually made to keep you down. I don't know if you know that or not, but, but, but the system is really made to keep you down, to keep you into debt, to tax the heck out of everything that uh, you make. But for you guys that are here, that doesn't have to be your lot in life. If you'll take the things that we've been teaching and, and you'll mix them uh, with, with faith, then, then that's not going to be you. You're not going to be in a place of struggle um, your entire life because Jesus said that he has come to set the captives free. He said that I have come to preach the good news to the poor and you can get into God's financial system and he can take you straight to the top. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, I'm ready to go to the top. I'm ready to go to the top. And even if it doesn't feel right right now, you're like, oh, I don't know if I feel that. But, but, but you've got to begin to believe that, that God can take you to the top. And, and honestly, I'm excited to share the message that I'm going to share with you today. Because I shared something similar, the principles, about 10 years ago. And um, there was this lady that came to church here and... Um, she, she was a single mother, she had two small kids, and she rented property, and, and she used to move a lot. I mean, she moved more than almost anybody, you know, that, that I ever knew. I mean, she would move almost every year, something would happen, you know, either they would try to jack up her rent, or there would be something that the landlord wouldn't fix, or a house was getting sold, and she was always bouncing around from, from, from house to house, and then... The one day I saw her and she's like, yeah, you know, I'm getting ready to move. And I'm like, all right, here we go. You know, she's getting ready to move for the hundredth time, you know. And yeah, well, you must be a pro at it. And she's like, no, it's different this time because I finally got to buy my first house. And I said, wow, I said, that's awesome. She said, and I want to tell you that, you know, you gave that message in church and, you know, you started talking about how I could get out of debt and, you know, and how I could, you know, God didn't want me to stay broke and stay struggling, you know, my whole life. And I, you know, imagine that. She actually listened and did, you know, what we said. And that's why I said if you mix the message with faith, that, then God can take you to the top. And, you know, I, I just want to tell you that, you know, knowing her, that, that, that if, if God can take a woman who was an alcoholic, who was, uh, you know, promiscuous, who was, was a single mom, and, and he can get her free from 
you know, break the, the bondage of addiction over her life, make her into a good mom, financially raise her up so that she can buy her own home, get married. The only reason she still doesn't come to church here is because, you know, she bought a house way out on the other side of Pittsburgh and she got married and they found another church there. And honestly, if you would see her today, you would never have any idea that struggle was even part of her vocabulary. So God raised her up and he can raise you up as well. So just say this one more time, and I'm not going to make you keep repeating stuff, but I need to get some things into your heart. Just say this, what God did for someone else, he'll do for me. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. It says that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So I like to share the stories of real people's lives. And when you see what, what God did for them, then you can say, you know what? Maybe God will do that for me too. Because we can make excuses, you know, in our life of why we can't do this and why we can't do that. But, you know, the only thing that's holding you back from your destiny and God's dream for you is all the lies that you continue to tell yourself. So you got to grab hold of the Word of God because I care about you and God cares about you. I, I don't want you to go through your whole life always worried about money. I, I know what it is to, to lie in the bed at night and not be able to shut my eyes because I'm so concerned about money. I don't know where I'm going to pay my bills. I, I don't want your phone ringing off the hook where you can't answer your phone anymore because the bill collectors are, are calling you every day. I don't want you to worry about, well, I can't go to the doctors because, you know, I, I just, I don't have enough money for it. Or I can't go to the dentist. I got this cavity. I just got to kind of keep putting bread in the cavity and, and holding it and taking a whole bottle of ibuprofen because I can't you know, because I can't go to the dentist. I don't, I don't want you, I don't want you struggling like that. And I don't believe that that's God's best for, for, you, for you to struggle like that. And if you'll give your whole self over to the Lord and, and you'll, walk, you'll walk in his ways, then, then God will bring you from a person who's needy, that's always looking for, I need this and I need that. He'll, he'll raise you up to a person that not only has all their needs fulfilled, but you're also a person who can meet the needs to a lost and dying world around you. So you get to the place that, you know, if you're sitting at the grocery store and, you know, and, and there's somebody there and, and they get groceries and they're counting out their money and they're like, you know, and you can tell. You can tell when the people are there because they'll count their money like five times, you know what I mean? It's like you didn't have enough to pay for it the first two. If you keep counting it, you know, they're, they're like trying to stretch it out. 5, 10, 15, you know, and they're looking, it's just this awkward thing. You'll be able to just step in, reach in your pocket and say, hey, look, you don't have enough money, I'll take care of this for you. God bless you. You know, that, that's a place that you can get. You know, you see a ministry project that you're passionate about, you know, you don't have to do a fundraiser and 18 spaghetti dinners, you just write a check out. You know what, I think that's awesome. God called me to support that. I'm going to write a check out and I'm going to pay for it. That's a place where God wants you to be. And, and I believe that by God's grace, that's a place where you will be. Amen? And, and I can't recap everything that, um, that, that I've shared so far, but one of the first things that we address is your mind state. 
You know, do you have a, a mind state of scarcity where you look at every, like there's only so much to go around. There's only so much money, so many things, and, and I've got to cling on, and I've got to hold on to everything I got because I don't know if I'll ever be able to get anything. Or do you have an abundance mind state that says, you know what, we serve El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. You know, do you have a, a, a mind state that says, God wants me to prosper. Uh, Psalm 35 says that God delights in the prosperity of his people. That's what the Bible says. That's not, you know, the preacher's just making it up. He's going to take, I already took the offering. I'm not building you up for, for, for a big offering. The Bible says that God delights in the prosperity of his people. God doesn't delight in seeing you struggle. God doesn't delight in you being in lack. So if God delights in the prosperity of his people, he must want you to prosper. Amen. So, so it starts with, with, with right believing, no matter what religious people have tried to, to, to say to you. And it doesn't matter where you're at right now. Wherever you're at right now, you just, you just need to have faith and you just need to keep doing the right things. And, and God will lift you out of poverty and he'll lift you out of struggle. But but God's got to get it into your heart before he can get it into your hand. Amen. God's not limited, but our unbelief can limit the hand of God in our lives. And the next thing you have to do is you have to, you have to get an income. The right? Bible says that it's, it's God who gives you the power to get wealth. God gives you the power to get wealth that, that he knew you in your mother's womb, that he knit you together with unique talents, unique abilities. There, there's a calling on your life that, that no one else can do. And you need to pray and you need to figure out, okay, Lord, what are things that you put in my life from a kid that I just seem to do better than, than, than everybody else? What are the things that, that I'm passionate about? You need to find the gifts that God put in your heart going back to God's design. Remember, I said that the big mistake that a lot of people make is, well, where can I find a job that makes me the most money? You know, what, where, where are they hiring? You know, I remember there was a book, um, my dad used to always, well, there's an occupational outlook handbook, and you can read it, and, you know, where's the most jobs going to be at this time? Well, I can get a job that, that pays a lot of money, and I can be miserable while I go to school for it. I can be miserable while I work it. I won't do good in it because I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to take my misery home with my marriage. Or a better idea is say, God, how did you design me? How did you wire me? What did you put in my heart? And what do you want me to pursue? And when you do that, then you're able to pursue a, a job that's in your gift. And, and you need to just find a way to be able to, you know, make an income through your gifts and talents. And what will happen is that you'll begin to excel in that. And if you do the things that God called you to do, like work that job, not as the men, as unto the Lord, you know, that's what the Bible says. When we go to work, we don't do it as unto men. Well, you know, my boss, you know, is a real jerk, and I don't really like. Well, the Bible says that your boss is not your source. God is your source. He's using that place right now. And you go to work and do a good job and work your job as unto the Lord. And if you're a Christian, you're not coming in hungover. You're not smoking weed right before you get into work, pulling in the parking lot, showing up at work all 
chink-eyed, eating a bag of Funyuns when you punch into work. So automatically, you're going to rise to the top because you're not coming in and being a mess. You're, you're working your job as unto the Lord because it's the Lord who's going to elevate you. It's the Lord who blesses you. It's the Lord who's your, who's your source, and you work that job with a spirit of excellence because that's part of your Christian testimony and you're working it in your gift and, and, and God will just begin to, to raise you up and your gift will make room. People will recognize you and say, you know what, that person is a good worker. We, we need to raise them up. You know, um, Kim's sitting here in the, in the front row and, you know, she, she had with, she has six kids and she had four little kids and she wanted to figure out a way that she could still help her family and still make an income. So she got a job at a daycare where she could take her kids and she started working there and her boss saw that she was dependable, that she was trustworthy, right? And, and her boss began giving her more and more responsibility. Now she's taking classes in that same field that she can be a, a director of a child care and she can teach preschool so she'll have a certification and from there you know either she's going to take more and more responsibilities it's going to lead to a promotion or they're going to be able to expand the daycare or she's going to have enough enough skills that even if she wanted to start her own daycare she would but she put in the time and she worked that job as unto the lord and god has begun raising up her family and i'm not you know, I'm not speaking out of turn here. I mean, go ask them and see the things that since they started following God, where they're at now compared to where they used to be. God raised them up. God will raise you up. God will raise you up as well. And so you, you use your skills and talents. You're, you're faithful. You work hard. You have a good attitude. You don't go in there angry, complaining, negative. That's not a Christian behavior. To walk in and complain every day. To walk in and gossip every day. You should go in there and you should be like sunlight on a, on a gloomy day. When you walk into that place. And, and your gift will make room and your, your income will be expanded. You'll begin to, to make more money. But it takes time to kind of be faithful and develop your gift. Now here's the key. The expenses, that is the cost to live, right? The cost for you... Um, to live in a place, your utilities, the car you drive, the clothes you wear, the food you eat, right? Your, your expenses got to be lower than your income. And so if your expenses are lower than your income, then you have, that's your abundance. That, that, that's the place of margin. And then what you do with that is that's the, the bank of money that, that, that you use to, to give to the Lord. That's the bank of money that you use to save and and invest so that you can leave an inheritance to your children and, and even your children's children. So I, I want you to, to raise your income. I want you to, to lower your expenses. That's what we're going to talk about today. And then I want you to tap into God's supernatural provision uh, for your life through, through sowing and reaping. So there's a practical part here with, with, with how we manage our money to have you know, financial breakthrough. We're, we're called to good stewardship. And then there's a supernatural part of it where God will bless our efforts and provide for us supernaturally. And so this week I want to talk about lowering your expenses by breaking the debt cycle. 
And um, I'm going to get really practical, you know, at the end, and I'm going to give you the same plan that uh, I gave to the girl who who got out of uh, debt slavery and, and the thing, same thing that's got thousands of people to totally uh, break the chains of debt slavery. Amen? So let's get into our playbook, our owner's manual, the Bible. If you don't have one, you probably have one in front of you. We're going to start at 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 6 through 10 from the New King James Version. When you're there, say amen. Guess I got some time. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. And I, and I want to tell you that, you know, this is the, the kind of church that, that I really want your life to be changed because you came here. I, I don't want us to just be a bunch of people who kind of get together and kind of get our Holy Spirit buzz and get some emotional high, and then we go back into our life in the same mess. I, I want to give you the tools and the equipment so that so that God can raise you up, so you're not going from crisis to crisis. You're going from victory to victory, from glory to glory. That's the way that, that we are supposed to live as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Verse 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing... With these we should be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from their faith in their greediness. And they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that today people are breaking out of maybe even generational cycles of poverty. That it stops here. Lord, that you're raising people up that put the kingdom first. You're raising up a blessed people. Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would anoint me to preach and teach your word. Lord, I pray that, um, that we would be not just hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word. Lord, and I thank you, Lord, that this is the time of financial breakthrough. We give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, when I, I got out of the army, and I got married young, so... Um, me and Sherry got married. I was 18. She was 19 years old. And we started a life together. And I got out of the Army. I, I worked a job in a warehouse for a while. And then I started working at the post office. Good government job, right? So, so I got this. I got, I got a good government job. I mean, I wasn't, wasn't like I was a millionaire, but I was making decent money. And the one thing that when you work for the post office, is that mail shows up every Monday. You know, it wasn't like I was going to get laid off. It wasn't, they, they're perpetually shorthanded all the time. I had worked more hours than I ever wanted. I had benefits. I had, you know, retirement. Everything was going good, but 
because um, I had a good job, you know. Now, when I got out of the Army, um, Sherry's grandfather graciously gave us a car. And it was one of them old school station wagons. It didn't have the wood grain on it, but it was that old fashioned station wagon. I mean, the kind that had the like seat in the back that would face out like the back window. I mean, you know, it, this wasn't like anybody's idea of like a cool car, you know. So I'm coming out of the Army, you know, 22 years old and. You know, but he, you know, I mean, he was trying to help us out. He put, I think he put a new engine or something in it. And so, you know, but, I mean, it got me to work and it was great. But I don't know. I just, I just felt like kind of like a loser because I was driving like this station wagon. And so I started looking at new cars. And we went down to Beaver Falls and, they had all these new trucks, and I always wanted a truck, and they had one particular truck that was literally, it was on display, like they had this ramp, and the truck would be there, and we started looking at the truck. Next thing you know, the shark salesman got me out in the parking lot. I'm like, I'm just looking. Nah, come on in, man. Nah, I, dude, I'm just looking. No, come on in, man. We'll see. You know, and then they got you at the table, and they're talking to you. Well, now that I got this good government job, I qualify for a loan on the truck. So I bought a brand new truck, only had 14 miles on it, right? And, you know, it was about $560 payments or something like that every month, you know, for like 72 months. You know, so I, I got, now I, now I got a car payment. Now my insurance is going up a little bit. And then, you know, we're in an apartment and um, I want to buy a home. Because, you know, that's what you need. I need to go and buy a home. We're in an apartment. And so I was a veteran, so now I could get a VA loan. And since I could get a VA loan, guess what? I can get a house, no money down. I don't have to put any money down on the house. They're going to give me the loan. I, I think maybe I, I brought $500 to the table. And guess what? Next thing, I had a house. Now I had a house payment, about, you know, maybe like 900 or so dollars a month, so, and I got homeowner's insurance, I got PMI insurance, I don't even know what that is, you know, then I got to get flood insurance because I live down by the river, live down by a flood zone, so, you know, now I got a truck payment, I got insurance, I got a house, I got insurance, and then me and my wife decide that we're going to get a visa card, and I'm going to get a visa card, and we're going to use it just for emergency. If something breaks, we got a new house. What if something breaks? Right? Get a credit card. And then we can use the credit card. And, hey, we got it. Got approved for it. We're going to use it just for emergency. Two weeks later, Red Lobster becomes an emergency. And so, you know, so we get some Red Lobster. And, you know, because, I mean, hey, I'm busy. I'm working. You know, I owe, I owe. Off to work I go. So, you know, let me go ahead and run up the credit card. And you know what? We got to fix up the house. We need new stuff for the house, right? So let me go ahead and run that credit. You know what? How about a Home Depot credit card? We'll get that too and, you know, and, uh, you know, get all the stuff we need for the house. Because after all, it's a house, right? It's only going to go up in value. And, 
You know, I got a government job and I'll get a raise one day. And then, you know, we're deciding that, you know, as I'm working, I'm not making enough money because I got all these payments. I got to pay all these payments. And so I decide, well, you know what? I, I got an idea. I'll get into investment real estate. I'll become a landlord and, and I'll start investing in real estate, but I still really don't have any money because I'm using all my money to pay all the debt that I got from all the stuff that I already bought, you know, my new truck and, and my new house and, you know, my Red Lobster and steak dinners and everything else that, that I've been eating, you know, on credit. And so I started, get, I started watching these late night infomercials, make millions of dollars with no money down. No money down. We're creative financing. You know what is a better term for creative financing? It's called bank fraud. And, you know, but I studied it. You know, I have a knack for understanding these things. I got really into it. And guess what? I started buying property. No money down. One year I bought, I, I bought three properties, didn't put any money down. But now I'm buying these properties and... They need fixed up, so I got to get some more credit cards because I got to finance the repairs. I mean, they're not going to fix themselves, and, you know, let me go ahead and let me get these credit cards. So I'm running up all these credit cards trying to beat the system, and before you know it, I can't keep up with all the repairs, and I'm working hard, and now I got to get another job delivering pizza because I have so much debt, and the next thing you know, I'm sitting in front of a bankruptcy attorney trying to figure out how I can get out of all this. And I'm in debt. You've got to understand that every time that you get in debt, you're putting yourself in shame. The Bible says, uh, if you want to put on Proverbs 22, 7, fortunately, by the grace of God, God raised me up and, you know, we were able to break. I didn't have to file bankruptcy. We worked our way out of it. We prayed. We tightened up, I worked my butt off, but we got out of it. But the Bible says the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Did you know that? That every time you borrow money, you're becoming a slave. You know, the, the reason that the banks are so nice when you walk into them, go into any bank, they're beautiful. They're all remodeled, they're all new, downtown, build, I think PNC's building what, three skyscrapers? They got millions of dollars to get their names on sports stadiums, PNC Park, Bank of America Stadium, right? M&T Stadium. Why do you think they have so much money? They, they, they make millions by getting you and I in debt and keeping you in debt. And the borrower is slave to, a to the lender. You get a mortgage on a house, a 30-year mortgage on a house, let's say it's $200,000, by the time it's said and done, you're going to pay back over $600,000 in payments. That's how they make money. Don't it, credit cards with 18 and 24% interest, how much are they making? Car loans with all kind of front-loaded interest and all kinds of fees. I remember we got, we got a, a car loan, and, and we got it, and, and, I, and I got the money to pay it back in two months. And they said, well, all the interest is, on, is in the front. 
So what they did is they made every payment that you paid, so you were paying nothing but interest. And so at the end, then you would pay principal. So even if you paid it off early, nothing went to that principal. So they get rich and they keep us poor. You got to understand that. The borrower is slave to the lender. And, and if, you, well, I'm nobody's slave. I borrow money, I'm not anybody's slave. Quit paying them. Quit paying for your car. They'll show up in the middle of the night, won't tell you. They'll hook a tow truck up to your car and, and, and take off with it. And make you chase them to figure out where your car's at. And then they'll decide how much that you'll pay to get your car back. Well, how much did it cost to tow the car? $600. How far did they tow it? Like two miles. How's that work? You're, it's a slave. Watch if they don't keep calling your house, threatening you, sending letters to your house. The borrower is slave to the lender. And when, when God brought his people out of Egypt, he called his people out of slavery. And what did he say to them? He said, you will lend and you will not borrow. That's how God's people were supposed to operate. That's how a child of God is supposed to operate. And some people will be like, well, that was back then. That's, that, that's, under, the, that's under the old covenant. Well, guess what? We have a better covenant based on better promises. So every promise that was given back then to the people of God is ours, but it's signed and sealed by the blood of Jesus. And so as a child of God, I'm not supposed to be a slave. I'm supposed to be a lender and not a borrower. Why should wicked people rule over us? I'm not saying everybody that, 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 that is a, a banker or, or works in a bank or works in a financial industry, you know, is a wicked person or an evil person. But guess what? Some are. And a lot are. And, and we allow them to rule over us every time that we get into debt. And usually the reason why we get into debt is because we want something faster than we're able to afford it. I was just starting off with a family. Honestly, I could have keep, kept driving that station wagon, but I wanted a new truck. For what? So I could drive into my work parking lot. Look at me, my new truck, blasting radio. What's going on, man? I'm cool. See this truck? We laugh, but that's why it says godliness with contentment is great gain. If God is our source and he wants us to have it, then he'll provide for it. I had uh, someone complain and, um, you know, they were... You know, they, they were real fired up about, you know, us opening up Hope's Haven and, you know, they were, you know, they were a donor and they're like, I'm, I'm dropping my donation because it's taken so long. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, we acquired a whole building, we cleared up all the back taxes on the building, we renovated it from top to bottom. 
we furnished it with no debt in a little bit over two years. I wonder how long that lady who's complaining, how long did it take her to pay off her house, fix up her house exactly how she wanted it? I bet you it took a whole lot longer than, than two years. We bought a place, fixed it up from top to bottom, caught up all the taxes on it, furnished it with, with furniture and everything that it needs with no debt. We, we have zero debt. We have zero debt on that property. And I guess, you know what? We could have bought that property, and if we didn't have any debt on it, we could have went to a bank and took out a mortgage on it. And we could have took out a mortgage on it, and we could have hired a designer and an architect and an expensive construction firm to get it done in like three months. You know, and maybe we would have got in debt, it would have got done a lot quicker, and it would have took about 10 years or more to pay off the debt, and then if there's a downturn in the economy, then you lose the house. See, you have to get comfortable with moving in God's timing and be content to where he has you in that season. I'm going to say that one more time. You have to get more comfortable moving in God's timing and be content where he has you in that season. I would rather go at a slower pace and fix that place up as God provided and not have any debt than get in a hurry and try to go to some ungodly bank to borrow money to fix up a house and now we're a slave to the lender. Instead, we just let God provide for it, and guess what? When we open that place up, we don't have to worry about all this. There's already going to be enough overhead with, with housing, four women, you know, paying for transportation, getting them to where they need to go, making sure they get fed, without a whole bunch of debt on top of that. But it was on God's timing. Okay, Lord. And guess what? You know, we want everything in microwaves, and God's more into crockpots. Amen? God's in the slow cookers. And sometimes God doesn't move at the pace in our American mind that we think he should move. But we've got to be comfortable saying that, you know, God, if, if you want this house, then you're going to provide for it. And we're just going to be patient and keep moving forward at your pace so that I don't have to have debt. What, who is my source? Is PNC Bank my source? Is Visa my source or is God my source? Is God not capable to provide us with everything that we need? That I got to run ahead and get into a bunch of debt? I want you guys to say this with me. If God can't take me there, I don't want to go there. If God can't take me there, I, I don't want to go there. When I was talking about, like, there's nothing wrong with, with me wanting to get a new car. There's nothing wrong with me wanting to buy a house. You should want to buy a house. You should want to own some land and, and own a house. There's nothing wrong with getting involved in investment property. But I was moving way too quick because I, I wasn't waiting on God to provide. I had to do it myself and had to do it my, and figure out everything because I wanted everything, like, right now. Listen, if you can't afford a Mercedes and an upkeep on a Mercedes, then you don't need to be driving one. 
Maybe you need to be driving a Chevy Cruze. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah, you know what? People aren't going to be impressed when you pull in the parking lot. You know, I come rolling in with my station wagon. Nobody's going to be like, wow, that dude's so cool, man. Look at him. Man, all he needs is some wood grain, man. That thing be dope. Why do I care? Why do I care? If I can't afford it in that seat, then I need to be driving something that I can't afford. If you can't afford a Rolex, don't buy one. Well, you know, by faith, brother, I'm going to get me a Rolex, and I'm going to believe that God's going to go ahead and pay for it. Go on credit card, $14,000, get me into, you know what, you get a nice watch for 100, 200 bucks. Just get that. It's okay. I mean, I want a Rolex too. As a matter of fact, I feel like I need two of them now because I want to eventually give one to Jeremiah and one to Judah. So I need two. But I'm not going to run ahead of God and try to buy stuff that, that I can't afford. I, I believe that God will, can provide those things for me, but I'm not going to run ahead. Like, like, who are you trying to impress? Like, seriously. Like, are, are you comfortable with who you are in Christ? Or you got to show off to the rest of the world? You got to have a better car than your neighbor. I mean, I, you know, this probably doesn't come as any surprise to a lot of you. I like polo Ralph Lauren clothes. I do. I like designer clothes. I could go to Macy's and I could go and get the latest polo dress shirt that they have there for $140. You know, or I could kind of stay in my lane and go to the thrift store and find a nice polo dress shirt that looks like brand new for eight bucks, take it to the dry cleaner, get it dry clean, get it pressed put it on and still look like a million bucks. You know, I, I didn't even plan to do this, and it's kind of embarrassing for me to say it, but like I didn't pay for any of the clothes that I have on today. I was thinking about it. I, I didn't. I didn't. Th these pants are Tommy Hilfiger. I got them from World Vision. Even my underwear was a Christmas gift. <laughs> my boots, Sherry, or... I, don't, I think my mom might have bought me these boots one year when we were shopping. Somebody gave me this sweater. My watch was a Christmas gift. So I, like, I'm wearing about $1,000 worth of stuff. And I knew that God wanted to bring a financial breakthrough because when I put on these pair of pants, I don't know when the last time I wore them. You know, it, you can't always wear burgundy pants. It's not like they go with everything. And so they were sitting in my closet and I just knew I wanted to wear them today. I went in to, to talk to Sherry, and I reached in my pocket, and there was 100 bucks in there. Praise God, right? That I didn't know that was there. But God provided all this stuff for me. That's why he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. God knows you need these things. God knew I, wanted, I needed suits for the ministry. I couldn't afford them. I had like one or two. And, you know, there was a, a lady that was a teacher, and, and her husband died. And they gave me a whole rack of suits, a whole rack of $1,000 suits that I took, and I got altered for like 10 bucks, literally $10 a piece. 
God will provide. But I could have went out and said, well, I want people to respect me as a pastor, and I'll be speaking at these meetings, and I'm going to be traveling, so, you know, I need to get out the Visa card and get me a $1,000 suit. Not going to do it. If God can't take me there, then I don't want to go there. If God can't provide it, you know, and, and like I said, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, with buying nice stuff when you can't afford it. There's nothing wrong with it. But I don't want to just look rich. I want to actually be rich. Amen. Showing up. Did you ever see that commercial and that guy's driving around on it? Yeah, I got a nice house. My kids are in college. I have two brand new cars. People want to know how I can afford it. And he's like, I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. You got a bunch of people that are so worried about what they look like and want to have everything today that they're, they're getting themselves buried in debt, becoming total debt slaves so that they can impress people for what? So that they can make people think that they're actually wealthy and that they're rich. Ridiculous. You know, people will sometimes look at the buildings we have and they'll look up and they'll be like, oh, wow. Look at all the, look at all the work that we've done here. Why haven't they fixed it up? Oh, are these the original pews that we're sitting in? There's some things undone that need done. I don't think that's any secret, but I can tell you this, the last assessment that was, that was done by Beaver County says that this ministry owns $2 million worth of property. That's a blessing, right? I look around, a church our size, we own $2 million worth of real estate. How many churches of our size have what we have? But guess what? We have it, we acquired it, and we're using it to the best we can at the moment. And I could try to get a loan. As a matter of fact, I, I did have a loan, everything that was done. And when it came time to sign the papers, man, I just got a check in my spirit. I could run out, I could get a loan against the value of the property. We could fix everything. We could fix the ceiling up. We could buy a couple different video cameras. We could put in comfortable chairs, whatever we want to do. And then I can put a bunch of pressure on everybody in church every day and call you on the phone and make you sign pledges that, that to pay the bills. And we could turn over a building to our kids that's full of a bunch of debt. But you know what? It'll look nice. And we'll have comfortable chairs and, and there won't be any more there won't be more any peeling paint. Or, like the women's home, we can say, God, thank you for what you provided for us this far. And as you provide, then we'll go ahead and we'll fix everything up. And as God provides, we'll renovate and, and we'll buy new equipment. And, and then maybe we can pass along a debt-free, problem-free ministry to our children and our children's children until the Lord comes back. It's not a, just about us, it's about the next generation as well. We're going to fight the fights so that they don't have to fight these fights. We have to be comfortable 
with God's timing and be content with, with where we're at. I had a supervisor that was telling me, well, you know, because our boiler broke, $40,000 boiler. Plumber came, said, man, I can't fix it. I'm like, man, can't you put some JB Weld on there? Or some, there got to be something, man. We can, we can do something. We can weld. We, we can do something. He said, you know what? You're probably going to need to get into a place that you can afford. So you need to go ahead and sell your building. I'm like, I'm not selling this building. These are buildings that God gave us. I know there's struggles. We'll figure it out. You don't want to help us. That's okay. It got so contentious that they ended up giving me to an assistant uh, supervisor. And he's like, all right, Rick, like, just, you know, like, just make a plan. Where would you go? I said, well, you know what? We could, we could sell everything we have. And, you know, we could probably rent that building where the old bottom dollar uh, was. And we could use the money to renovate in there. They have a nice big parking lot. You know, just like every other mega church, it can look like a Walmart right inside. Doesn't have to, doesn't have to look like a church. Maybe people will be, you know, more comfortable in that. We'll get nice chairs. We'll sit in an air-conditioned building. But, but guess what? There goes our men's home. Won't be able to have it. There goes our preschool. Wouldn't be able to have it. Hope's Haven Maternity Home. It's not going to get open. And, and even right now, I mean, you know, that, that building, we could easily get 120000 I mean, we could, we could sell it off, and, and we could take care of the, the paint and some work in here. But, but I've made a decision that I'm going to put people over our comfort. I've made a decision that I would rather deal with a couple paint chips falling off the ceiling and see some babies that are going to live because if we didn't have that home, they would have an abortion. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait. I'm not that selfish. I don't care. I don't want to look like every other glitter bug church, every other franchise mega church. I don't want to look like that. We're not that church. We're different. We're New Hope. We're that church. We care about people. I care about people's lives. I'm going to invest in people's lives first and then building second. If we get rid of that, if we got rid of that men's home and we sold at the same time that we did, we would have, Evan would have never came here. We would have never, we would have never met Evan. Evan wouldn't be on the worship team. Him and Chris would have never got married. The youth group would never be where it's at today. But we did it because we had a home. And that stuff is more important to me than us being comfortable all the time. Listen, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get the place renovated. And listen, I promise, I got plans for this place. When it gets done, when God provides the money, this space, this whole area is going to be so beautiful. It's going to be like the most beautiful church. And it's going to look way better. It's going to have character. It's going to be an actual church building with unique architecture and and paintings and picture. It's not just going to look like a nice, clean Walmart that we've got used to. And, and, and listen, if, you know, if you care about a comfortable seat more than you care about reaching people, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe this isn't the church for you. If you're uncomfortable, you know, with people that you don't think are in the same class as you, 
might not be the church for you. Might not be. You know, if you just if if you're just comfortable with other rich white people, this might not be the church for you. I'm sorry. I've just had it up to here with with this this stuck-up American Christianity. We but but I'm telling you, but 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 if if you're if you want to make a difference in people's lives, this is the church for you. If you're serious about reaching the lost, this is the church for you. If you want to get your life sincerely changed, this is the church for you. If you want to find a real spiritual family, this is the church for you. If you want to roll up your sleeves and get right into the mess that the devil's using to hurt people and put them into bondage, and you're not scared of that, and you want to get right in the middle of that and be the light and pull people out of the darkness, this is the church for you. And that's what we're about. That's what we're about. And I know that God is going to finish the work that he started. But we need to have a level of gratefulness and contentness with what he's already done. So I'm going to land this plane really quick. Uh, for many people, you've already drank the Kool-Aid and you're already wound up in debt. It's, most people are in debt. Most people have credit cards. Most, most people are there. But I want you to get out of debt as quick as possible. And the reason why I want you to is because imagine if all the money that came in was actually yours. You didn't have bill transfer debt. Okay, yeah, I get paid, but then I take everything that I got out of my bank account, and I send some to the student loans, I send some to my car payment, send some to my credit card payment. Like, it's, I have nothing left when I'm done. Bill exchange day. Imagine if you just, you got your check and it was actually yours. When I was in the Army, we didn't, we didn't have a lot, but they paid for our housing, they paid for our utilities, they paid for everything, they paid for our food. So all the money I got, even though it wasn't a lot, it was mine. And that's what I want. You want to pay off your debt, and, and, you know, and I don't want you to just pay it to every credit card you have and then call one guy and ask him if he can wait till next week for your payment because you don't even have enough money. So how do we do that practically? Really quickly, these principles have been taught by guys like Larry Burkett, Dave Ramsey, and a whole bunch of other people for a whole bunch of years. Number one, quit digging. Quit borrowing. That's the first thing. You want to get out of a hole, quit digging, quit borrowing. Make your mind up that if God can't take you there, then you don't need to go there. Make your mind up. When God provides it, then I'll go there. If he doesn't provide it, then I'm good where I'm at. And so then what you need to do is you need to save up $1,000 as quick as you can. I if I'm barely making do, how am I going to get $1,000? Well, there's a lot of ways. You can, you can start selling stuff. Start clearing stuff out. Get on Facebook Marketplace. All the stuff that you have that you don't really use, clean it out. Start selling. Get as much money up as you can. If you need to get a part-time job, get some kind of income that you need to come in, Save up that $1,000 as quick as you can. And the reason why is because you want to have a little cushion because as you're paying off your debt, maybe something happens. Your car breaks down. Your hot water tank goes out. Whatever it is, 
if you're paying off your credit cards and not leaving it and you don't have anything extra and then all of a sudden something happens, then you're going to have to charge that credit card up and you're going to be back at square one. So you're going to quit borrowing, you're going to get $1,000 in the bank, and then you're going to take all your debts and you're going to start at the smallest to the largest except for your house payment. All, you want your smallest one first. Don't worry about the interest rates. Whatever the value is, if you have, you know, the smallest one's going to go first, and then you're going to use that extra income to pay off that smallest debt. So, you know, let's say that you're, you're able to get an extra $150 a month that, that you're going to put, and you have a Macy's card that's $450. So three months later, I pay off my Macy's card, and that minimum payment for Macy's was 30 bucks a month. So now I got $180 a month that I can use to start paying my debt. And maybe the next one's $900. So in five months, I can pay off that, that, that debt as well. And maybe that minimum payment's $40 a month. Now I got $220 to work with to keep pounding off my debt. That's why they call it a debt snowball, because as you pay the debts off, it snowballs that you have more and more money, and you keep working it, and you get debt-free. And you keep working the process. You stay on point. You keep praying and believing God and confessing that you are going to be a lender, not a borrower. You don't get weary. You don't get tired. You stay on track. You keep believing God. And then ex any extra money you get that comes in, you pound the debt. You get a tax return, you pound the debt. You get an escrow check that comes in, you pound the debt. You get extra money for your birthday, you pound that debt. And then when you get debt free, then you celebrate. Now you got a whole lot of options. Maybe you enlarge your rainy day fund and take it from $1,000 to maybe three or $4,000. And that way you're never going to use another credit card. Hot water tank explodes, you write a check. Car breaks down, you buy a check, get it paid. Maybe you pay your house off early. Maybe you save to get a house. Maybe you use that money to start your own business on the side. Maybe you start to learn to, to invest. But you can only do that if you break the chains of debt slavery to be a lender and not a borrower, to be the head and not the tail, to be above and not beneath. And more so than anything, just know that you came into this world with nothing and you're leaving with nothing. And maybe God will give you a grace that you can live simply. And maybe you can live in a smaller house than you can actually afford. Maybe you can afford to be in a $300,000 house, but maybe you're just good living in a small condo. Maybe you can afford a Mercedes, but you know what? You're, you're good with a, with a little Subaru. And then you can use that money to change people's lives, to help build up ministries, to help the poor and downtrodden, to help a ministry that reaches kids, to, to rescue victims of sex trafficking and human slavery, to, to build new churches, to, to finance crusades, to see people get saved and populate heaven. Because after all, like this is what this is, is all about. Because one day you and I are going to stand before the Lord. And the only thing that's going to matter is what you did for his kingdom. That's all that's going to matter. And that's what this is all about. Lord, make me a good steward. Get me financially free so that I can be an instrument to build your kingdom here on the earth. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed just very quickly before we close. One day we will stand before the Lord and we will give an account 
of our finances. But even more than that, we'll stand before the Lord and give an account for our life. The Bible says that every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because you broke God's law, the wages of sin is death. You can't pay back your sins, and you're going to be judged by every sin that you broke. It's called the law of God. There's one thing that happened. Jesus stepped down from heaven, became a man, lived a life that we could never live, died the death that we should have died. He paid for every one of your sins on that cross. He died in your place for your sins. But you have to accept that. And you have to make him your Lord and Savior. If that's you today, and you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior before we close this service, I just want you to slip a hand up and say, today I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Is there anybody here you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life? Amen. 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 Anybody else for the first time you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior? Anybody here? We're going to pray a prayer together, and uh, it's called the sinner's prayer. And in and of itself, it's not a magic formula. But if you pray this the first time in faith, it has the power to forgive you of your sins, take you from the kingdom of darkness, and bring you into the kingdom of light. If that's you, and, and maybe you should have raised your hand, or you can do it today, and, and we'll pray it with you. Because God just doesn't give you his life. He wants to give you a family. Just say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I'm sorry for the way I've lived. The things I've done. I'm a sinner, but you're my savior. And I believe that you died in my place for my sins. Send the Holy Spirit to live within me and change me. And I'll follow you. For all of my days. And today, I confess that I'm saved, that I'm forgiven, that I'm born again. In Jesus' name. Can we give a round of applause for those who have prayed? And if you prayed that prayer for the very first time in your life, make sure you grab something and say, you know what? Today, I made Jesus my Lord and Savior. We want to follow up with you. We want to pray with you. We always want to keep an account of the great things that God is doing. But if we could go ahead and just stand to our feet. I know I went a little bit long today. Still got time for your buffalo chicken dip. Let's just raise our hands to heaven. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for every person that's here. Your word says that the anointing breaks the yoke. So I pray right now that every yoke of debt slavery that's on people's lives today would be broken in the name of Jesus. We break the poverty mentality in Jesus' name. We break struggle and lack in Jesus' name, Lord. And I thank you that this year will be the most fruitful year, will be the most prosperous year in everybody's life here and in this ministry and we give you honor and glory in Jesus name amen
Amen. One more time, if you could just stick your hands to heaven, I'm praying a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And until we meet again, may the blessing and the favor of our Lord Jesus Christ rest upon you and your house. This service is dismissed. God bless each and every one of you. If anybody needs a chain, I got one for sale.
strong tower
He's taking me to glory, 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 glory. He's taking me to glory, 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 glory. Yeah. I had to give up my life. Started living right around for Christ. Pay attention to the past. Switch rage, getting out of the fast lane, gotta be
I had to give up my life, started living right and repping Christ, forgetting about all the past and when he showed up when it was right. I thought I got it by my lonely, but really God was my homie. I had to get out of the fast lane. I had to get out of the fast lane. I had to get out of my fast lane. Jesus, 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 Jesus,
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus,